The Metaphor Mindset is a podcast for artists and creative thinkers, entrepreneurs, and leaders who want to explore ideas around creativity and commerce. Think like an artist, work like a boss. Welcome to the Metaphor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Borg. And this is Episode 5, Walk the Path. Have you ever noticed that almost every teacher who wants to help people succeed or grow uses the idea of steps, a stairway, or a path forward? I want to explore this idea today to understand why we're so intrigued and motivated by paths, journeys, roads, and steps, and why it's important to artists. The past two episodes and this one are part of a three-episode series on my pillars for a creative life. Number one, the first pillar, is create an atmosphere. In your brain, your studio, and your business, where you can be aware of your thought patterns so you can develop a productive workspace, a business space, and a mind space that serves you. Number two, the second pillar, is make decisions. The more decisions we make, the more we can grow. If you have a goal, ask yourself, is this decision I'm making on the path towards my goal? Which brings me to today's topic, pillar number three for a creative life, walk the path. This phrase has three words. Word number one, walk. By this, I mean go at your own pace. If you want to run, that's great. But when you can just be aware of your speed, how fast or slow you're moving or want to move, that awareness can help you adjust and take care of yourself. Sometimes frustration comes from the speed we want to move versus the speed we're actually moving. The next word in the phrase walk the path is the. The is a part of speech that's an article that points to one thing. So in this case, there's one path, and that path is yours, no one else's. And whatever path you're on, that's your path. Often we plan a path and then get sidetracked. See, there's that metaphor again. So I want you to think about the path as just the ground beneath your own feet. And it's your choice to proceed at your own pace, to stay grounded. Walk the path, this path. And word number three, of course, is path. (laughs) A path can go up or down. It can be paved like an autobahn, or it can be a soft, long, winding forest trail. This is where creating an atmosphere comes in handy. You get to create the atmosphere of your path. For me, I like to think of my path as a cobbled side street in Paris or London. I use my memories and my imagination to create this path for myself. I'll tell you a story about it later in this episode that might resonate with you. But first, I want to unpack why this metaphor is so important to artists, and especially artists building businesses around their creativity. It's important because in order to get somewhere, it helps to have an idea of where you're going. Like in Alice in Wonderland, as the Cheshire Cat said to Alice when she asked, Sir, would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? And the Cheshire Cat said, That depends a good deal on where you want to get to. Alice said, I don't much care where. And the Cheshire Cat replied, Then it doesn't much matter which way you go. For one thing, if you're like most humans, you take steps every day with your body, with your legs, with your feet. This is a matter of scale, and often we don't even have to think about it. 
For most humans, we wake up, we sit up, in our beds, we put our feet on the floor, stand up, and start walking. What a gift that we can perambulate around the world without a second thought. But not everyone can do this. Some people can't walk at all. Some people have disabilities and illnesses that keep them from taking actual steps. So taking a moment to acknowledge that and be grateful for whatever mobility we have or if you can't walk, whatever imaginary world you can walk in is a gift. Renoir painted more than 4,000 paintings in his lifetime and continued right up to his death at age 78 in 1919. In the last years of his life, he had debilitating arthritis and severely limited mobility, so his assistant had to put his brush in his hand, and his hands were wrapped to avoid irritation. He used a canvas on wheels to paint larger works that would move back and forth in front of him instead of having to move himself back and forth in front of the canvas. But he still painted. In the last part of his life, he created some amazing works, more abstract, simpler, but still masterpieces of his own style. In 1988, when Chuck Close was 49, at the height of his art career as a portrait painter, he was stricken with a spinal blood clot that left him paralyzed from the neck down. There's a controversy around him, and if you're interested, you can read about him online. But for this purpose, I'm interested in his creative process after he could no longer hold a paintbrush. What he could do was make a circle by holding the brush in his mouth. So he started to create portraits using dots and circles and created some of his most amazing works that trick the eye and change the way we think about portrait painting. This is a great example of what Kandinsky said, everything starts with a dot. I mentioned this in the Make Decisions episode. When Frida Kahlo was 18, she was attending classes in Mexico City to become a doctor. One day on her way home from school, the bus she was riding turned the corner and slammed into an electric trolley car traveling at full speed. This tragic accident killed many people and she spent many months in her bed. She couldn't walk for a long time and had intense pain for the rest of her life. But this accident is what shifted her life from medicine to art. It made her an artist. She sat in her bed with a mirror and ropes and pulleys and a contraption so she could paint. She created small works and became very proficient in working in her bed. Artist and activist Reva Lehrer makes the connection to disability in her art. Disability is the fuel of my work and the engine of my career. She explores the spectrum of ability by portraying a wide variety of friends, colleagues, and acquaintances with disabilities through her paintings. So having a fully functioning body is not a prerequisite to making art. Being able to actually take steps in the physical world down a path is not prerequisite to following your dreams. But this metaphor of stepping, of walking, is so prevalent that we often just don't think about it. John Singer Sargent apparently wore holes in his runner carpets because he would walk back and forth from his painting to make one little mark back to a distant vantage point in his studio so he could see how his mark looked from several feet away. And he walked back until the canvas and the sitter were equal before his eye to get the perspective he needed. So beyond just acknowledging that gift, the ability to move and walk, mobility, 
I want to unpack this idea of those steps and where they're taking us. In Dante's Inferno, the famous self-help book for the Renaissance, Dante Alighieri's hero embarks on an adventure that takes him through many levels of heaven and hell, purgatory, paradise, and the inferno, hell. Joseph Campbell's hero's journey also has three parts, the initiation, the descent, and the return. In paintings, our eye follows the path back into the painting from what is near to the middle distance to the far distance. Getting smaller and more hazy, the edges get less defined, so our imagination can think about what is there in the beyond, what we can't see. Surrealism played with this metaphor with staircases leading nowhere, pathways rising into the air, and mixed up perspective meant to confuse the eye. Chinese art uses this to great effect, often with the mountains just floating in the air, but with a pathway that allows the eye to follow it up around the bend as the figure rises into the clouds. Even the past, present, and future are three ideas that our brain uses to help us organize time. Memories live in the past, daily activities in the present, and dreams and hopes occupy the land of the future. Our minds often play with rearranging them. As artists, this is such a great tool. Novelists go back and forth in time. Our paintings can bring something from the past and something from the future into the present on the canvas. So the idea of steps is built into our minds because it's built into our bodies. Our ancient ancestors walked up hills to look out to see the next vista. The idea of stairs themselves is as old as the pyramids. In fact, that's what the pyramids are. They're giant staircases, each level built slightly smaller and slightly higher until the peak is reached. So where pathways are about the scale of the body, stairways are about our vision, our eyes looking out the steps taking us higher. And higher is where, in most cultures, heaven is. In the earliest cultures, the afterlife wasn't in the sky, but in the ground. Either there was a world within the earth where dead people lived in the next life, or the dead lived among us. It was only after cultures consolidated into kingdoms was the sky god prevalent the sun god, the sky god, became one god out of the many earth goddesses. So what does this have to do with steps? Well, if God is now in the sky and heaven, suddenly the afterlife isn't so easy to get to. It's not on a human scale anymore. It's a place far away in the sky. And not only that, you have to do some pretty amazing things to get there. You have to be perfect and you have to follow all the rules. After the seven levels of hell, the three steps seem quite easy. Still, steps take us up and further towards a vista, towards heaven, towards the future. In our minds, we picture the future as being out there and often up there, instead of right here where we are. So I just want you to think about that. The future is not only a different time, but a different place from now. Think about that. It's a different place than here and a different time than now. Where will you be in your future? 
I want you to think about the past, present, and future, these three easy steps as tools for you to think about your life. After all, if you do absolutely nothing but eat and sleep and maybe pay your bills, you will still end up in your future. Where do you see your future? Is it with you right now? Or is it just around the bend where you can't quite see it? Or is it ahead of you on the path and you have a very clear vision of it? My story of how I envision my path starts on a park bench in Notting Hill Gate, a little neighborhood in London you may remember from the movie Notting Hill. I remember the moment I became a writer. It was the dot on the canvas of my life as an artist. Everything started there. After college, I ended up in London working at a pub. I was a naive Mormon girl pulling pints for wizened London carpenters. There was a parrot in a cage at the end of the bar with a Welsh accent. This old Welsh guy sat next to him all day just talking to that bird. I lived above the pub for a while and then got a room over in Notting Hill Gate on the top floor of a big white house. Nearby, there's a library and a park bench. One day, with all the emotional turmoil of being in love but not being sure what I wanted to do with my life, with all this creative energy just roiling around in me, I sat on that bench and I put down the Hemingway I was reading and pulled out my journal and started to write. You may have felt this, and it's the same when you start to paint or dance or sing or play music or act. It felt like a door had been thrown open and a cobblestone path awaited. A freedom that I had never felt filled me up. I felt like a poet. I felt like an artist. And we get cynical about these moments later in life, but I want you to remember back to that moment when you knew creativity would be a huge part of your life and you would never look back. So when I talk about picturing your path, I mean literally. I picture that park bench, that square, the cobblestone roads that snake off of it, including Portobello Road, where there's a constant flow of market stalls, artists showing their work, food vendors, galleries, and shops. So my path is a winding cobblestone street, but there's always something new and exciting around the next bend. This idea of steps and pathways, the metaphor of the body, it's a metaphor that helps our bodies understand the scale of things and that we can actually go someplace with our feet and our minds, get someplace, be someplace. But the fact is, we are already there. We are already in this place. That's a beautiful thing. And so therefore, you can create any metaphor you want in your mind around this idea of steps, pathways, and stairs. Maybe your metaphor instead of steps is a ladder. Maybe it's a slide. What if instead of taking tough steps, slogging one by one towards your goal, sitting down on the edge of a cliff or letting go and sliding down a slide into your dreams, into a beautiful pool of clear water. So if you feel you wanna create a different metaphor of wings instead of feet, of a tree growing roots down into your new adventure, you can do that. So there you have it. My three pillars for a creative life. One, create an atmosphere. Two, make decisions. And three, walk the path. That's all for today. I hope you choose to walk your creative path this week 
with confidence. I'll see you next time. If you're an artist who wants to sell and market your work more effectively, join us in the Metaphor Mindset Studio, an online program for artists who want to love their business as much as they love their art. Metaphor Mindset Studio. Think like an artist, work like a boss.